Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast Russian Grand Prix review. After we lost us one, Lewis Hamilton did not, he did not equal Michael Schumacher's win record as was expected by a lot of people coming into the weekend because he was given two five-second penalties for illegal uh, practice starts um, before the race and that dropped him out of contention. So Valtteri Bottas won, Max Verstappen came second and Hamilton was third. Um, I'm here with Freddie Coates and Nigel Chu, as usual, all up in Sheffield now. Um, how are you guys? What do you think of the race? Well, I'm sure you know how Freddie is because he's right next to you, Adam. <laughs> More for the podcast listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm all right. Yeah, it was a weird race, wasn't it? Kind of, it was one before the race started, kind of thing. It was mm. a bit strange. That's a nice way to phrase it, really. Um, it did seem a bit strange that when, when, when they said Hamilton was under investigation, it was a bit, I felt a bit deflated. And just because, I mean, yeah, it's not the same result as we're used to, but it's still the same three on the podium. And it's just, it felt like the race that could have been, which was already set up to be relatively intriguing with Hamilton starting on the soft tyres comparatively to Verstappen and Bottas' mediums. I, I, I personally was thought that could be a little bit more different to a normal race, but it became just a, a coast for Bottas. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I'm a bit sceptical about the penalties. I mean, two five-second time penalties for that. I know rules are rules, but it seems a little bit harsh to well, me, I feel. I'm, I'm not... I, I don't know. When, it, when it's in the, the regulations and safety grounds, it's going to be slam dunk of a penalty. And when you look at where Hamilton was, at least for one of the pit lane starts, the one right at the end of the fast lane that before it basically goes onto the track, what really showed in the live feed was you had, um, I think it was Stroll and Giovinazzi yeah. coming past him really quite fast. And for him to be stationary there, it's a bit... That doesn't really sit right. But for the other, I don't think mm. it was a two, worth two five seconds. I don't know what the other violation was. Just well, he did it twice, didn't he? But, yeah. but the one he did Apparently. previously was what everyone else would do, I thought. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what caught me out. And I think I, I read uh, during the race that Hamilton did ask for it for the second penalty, the worst one, whether he could do the start there. But then the team said yes. So yeah, I think it's partly the team's fault as well, not not just not just Lewis on on this one. Mm. There's two Mercedes um, penalties that are kind of blamed on the team in three races um, compared to Monza with the yeah. other pit lane related penalty as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of think. It is. It, it could potentially be dangerous, and if there is a collision, you could have a really bad aeroplane crash with the speed differentials there. So I don't. I can see why it's in the rules, and I can see why they enforced it and don't kind of want to go kind of lenient on it, or you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt on it. Um, yeah, if he stopped at like turn three and did it, then everyone would be like, "Well, that's stupid." Yeah. and it's the equivalent of he's basically a meter off the track. Anyway. <laughs> um, do we think so if that happened? Yeah, you go. If that happened in practice, what, what what do you think should should have happened? Like a grid penalty, do you reckon? Or based on the precedent now, I think a grid penalty. But if if there hadn't been any penalty previously put down, I would have thought it would have been sort of a hefty fine, like an unsafe release in practice. Yeah. 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 
Um, do we think that Hamilton would have won if it wasn't for the penalty? I mean, he was on, as we've already alluded to, he was on the soft tyres to start with compared to Hamilton and, uh, sorry, Verstappen and Bottas at the, who were on the mediums. Um, do we think that it would have changed the result? I mean, the easy thing to say is no, because he was finished, finished 20 seconds behind, but I'm pretty sure he would have anyway because of trap position and stuff, and, and he's able to stretch the tyres. And I really just don't see Bottas as a driver who's going to overtake Algerab because I can't remember a time he's done it. So I, I, would, have, I would highly doubt he would have done it on, on Sunday in, in Russia. Uh, so I, I think Hamilton would have won. It would have been a bit more difficult than usual, but uh, yeah, I think he, he, he would definitely, definitely would have won. I think it would have been a bit like Kota last year, actually. I think it would have been quite close at the end. Kota last year, they went on different strategies and Bottas um, pit later on and came back at Hamilton later on and won the race with a simple move on track. Um, and I think looking at the, the how early Hamilton had to pit, and that was, if there wasn't a safety car, it would be much earlier. So there were variables that fell into Hamilton's favour that could have also fallen into Bottas' favour and so on. And I think if it had been a straightforward race in terms of no safety car, Mercedes leading from the front, I think it would have been closer for Bottas because he could have a faster minimum speed across laps, whereas Hamilton had to nurse tyres so much more than Bottas, I think, personally. I think it was the slam dunk of the starting on the soft kind of already made his strategy a bit, you know, kind of a bit harder to yeah. work. But then it was kind of adding that with the 10-second penalty. It's just, yeah, kind of was what counted him out. You know, we don't know don't know how it would have gone if he'd been able to, to be on the mediums for for it. We'll never know. But, you know, yeah. that could have kind of had have a bit of an effect. Bottas did make a move on Hamilton, though. Um, it was quite an exciting start where he <laughs> tried to go around the outside of turn two, you know, kind of looking at previous starts where, you know, Silverstone springs to mind where he kind of <laughs> backed out um, mm. at turn one and, and Spa as well. Then it was, you know, it looked like he was going to make a decent decent effort and he kind of got half ahead but then just ran a bit wide onto the curb on the exit and then kind of going around turn three was compromised um, there. So that's kind of, you know, it's good that he's showing a bit more fight. Um, do you think that's kind of something he's going to be trying to do going forward or is it kind of a one-off? thing uh, I, I don't think Bottas was any different to usual to be honest that's my opinion <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I kind of agree with that it, the move was on because he was consist, uh, considerably side by side it's not the kind of Bottas's moves that he doesn't really go for like the Silverstone one he was half alongside whereas with this he was definitely alongside and was on the racing line um, so have more grip to break, and um, I think that just gave him a bit more, yeah, a bit more of a simpler move to do. And and it, I mean, for, it took me ages to realise that Hamilton had actually got past because the way the camera panned back onto the um, onto the uh, challenging pack, I thought Bottas had got the move done actually. Yeah, I think I was the I was the same once. It was kind of when the safety car all shook out and it went back to the to the leaders slowing down behind behind the safety car. That was only kind of when I realised that I actually had made it. But I, well, I, I was, I think it's optimistic from Bottas that he did actually go for the move, even if he didn't make it stick. Um, 
But yeah, signs of things to come, probably not. <laughs> I, I, I just feel he only won on Sunday because of because of Hamilton's tough weekend. I mean, Hamilton nearly got knocked out and qualified. I mean, everything went wrong. He read the red flag at the wrong time, and yeah. you know the yeah. penalties and stuff. It was very uh, exciting. Qualified yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a Netflix curse. They were in town again covering. Um, Covering Mercedes like they were for the German Grand Prix last season, mm. and um, yeah, they didn't get the result they needed. No, they got a win. They got a one-three, which is where they started. Mm. Other way around. Um, on Mercedes' paper, they probably should have. They should have got a one-two on pace for this weekend, but a one-three with ten-second time penalty and nearly not making it into Q3 is still okay, really. They got the win with the yeah. number two driver, which is what the number two driver is there for. And, and Hamilton has to be careful as well over the next few races because he's on 10 penalty points. So if he gets two more, then he'll get banned for a race. So that could be something where Bottas might, I'm just being optimistic here, where Bottas might be able to challenge him a bit more if Hamilton's a bit more cautious, maybe. question is, would Stoffel van Dorn beat Bottas? <laughs> well. Would he? Probably not, no. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but Max Verstappen had a very good Sunday. I mean, it didn't look like Red Bull would be kind of, you know, it looked like they'd have a fight on their hands to reach the podium from kind of practice. They were way down and then um, qualifying Verstappen came up with a monster lap to take second, got a bit of a toe from Bottas, but he kind of been um, a bit down before that. So... I think from from Red Bull, it feels a bit like a bonus second place for um, for this weekend. They seem to do well. They seem to do better on races where they're not expected to be doing well. Um, yeah. <laughs> if we look at over over the last few, um, Albon was obviously miles behind as usual. Um, but, but from from Verstappen, kind of where where does this rank in his kind of performances of the season? I'd say very hard. Wow, that call, yeah, that qualifying lap was spectacular. I, I do wonder if Bottas intentionally gave him a toe down to turn two in qualifying because starting third is better than second. I do because it was way, surely Bottas would have known that Verstappen was behind him. I know it's a bit, you know, like why would he do that? But starting P three is better. But yeah, on Verstappen's performance, it was he couldn't really have done much more. Really, uh, he had a new power unit which did help, but he just drove. Fantastic, really. Yeah. To be essentially, if Hamilton hadn't gone to Q3, Verstappen would have legitimately, on pace, been on pole position. He was legitimately in a Red Bull, which is on average, sort of this year, a second off in qualifying uh, from, from Verstappen's pace as well, not, not, not counting Albon. <laughs> um, and then for Hamilton to be that far ahead of Bottas and like three quarters of a second ahead of Bottas. Um, you think, wow, that's a monster lap from Hamilton, which means this lap from Verstappen has got to be just supreme, even much better than Hamilton's lap to actually get within within that, with a half a second of Hamilton. I mean, that's got to be way better than Hamilton's lap. If Hamilton, if he had done that lap in the Mercedes, he would have been ahead of Hamilton, I think. No, no, that's, that's an interesting debate. I don't yeah. think we, I don't think we yeah. want to get it into is, that. <laughs> the general performance difference between the Red Bull and Mercedes, yeah. to have 
bit that big a gap between the Mercedes, but then be that close in the Red Bull to the league Mercedes, if I'm making sense mm. with how the way I'm phrasing yeah, yeah. it, yeah. I think it's extremely good. Yeah, extremely good. He didn't get the best yeah. start and kind of was early side of the grid, isn't he? Yeah, and then he, he kind of missed missed his turning for the first proper corner, first heavy braking zone, and managed to um, managed to get back ahead of Ricardo. It looked for a moment like. Ricardo could be up into third and challenging, mm. challenging there. But kind of Renault, I don't think they would have stayed there even if they had um, managed it. But yeah, I think if you take out the start from Verstappen, it was you know perfect, perfect qualifying in race. Renault, we thought they seemed to be kind of very optimistic coming into the weekend, and kind of it's been several times now where they've done well in practice and kind of seem to be seem to be able to challenge at the top and then just not quite managed it um i think rightly so optimistic because i think their pace was very good um i think that's just the the obvious thing of perez being absolutely excellent this weekend and i think if, if ricardo had qualified fourth then maybe there could have been a bit more to it but perez just put in a monster lap um Ricardo would have been fourth if he'd done his Q2 lap in Q3. So there was pace in the Renault there to be in that position. But I do think, um, I think Renault are right to be optimistic with Ricardo because he's there in every practice session. Um, and over the past few races, he's been always in the top five fight. So apart from, I don't know, Barcelona was the last race where Renault didn't perform, I think. Well, Ricardo didn't perform. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, they just seem to be doing a lot better, you know, a bit like Bottas actually doing a lot better in practice. Than, <laughs> but then kind of when everyone dials it up, then they're not quite there. So I'm kind of not so sure where they're at. They're obviously fifth in the constructors in a kind of tight pack with Racing Point and McLaren. So there's a good battle going on there. But I feel mm. like maybe are they over-promising and under-delivering? What, Renault? Yeah. Ooh, I don't think if anything I think Racing Point is the case with that I'd say they're not coming into the weekend I feel like Renault are making a lot of noise I, I feel I think Racing Point have had the third fastest car every weekend apart from possibly uh, Belgium apart from Belgium I think Racing Point have had the third fastest car yet they haven't had the results to go for it I think what was interesting about Racing Point this weekend was that Perez wasn't running the upgrades because he would have been running yeah. the upgrades if Lance Stroll hadn't crashed the upgrades last week, last race. But obviously those crashed, so they were put back on Lance Stroll for the same reasons because, fair enough, he was ahead in the championship and he was ahead in Mugello. But Stroll just couldn't dial it in this weekend and Perez was just on it like you've never, you've never seen before for the, for the old spec car. And that's... Just if, if Perez gets the upgrades and is even faster than he was this weekend, that's what Racing Point have got to really sort of look at their feet about, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, from Perez. It was kind of quietly, um, quietly brilliant. He didn't, he didn't kind of spend that much time, you know, in any battles. He made an absolutely brilliant move up the inside of Ricardo going around turn three um, and just completely blasted past him. Um, Ricardo got a bit kind of hazy on the exit of turn two, but, you know, just from Perez, it's brilliant car positioning and being right on the limit of his traction to be able to take that yeah. that place. Um, 
but just one more thing on Renault is the the driver swap that they tried to um, initiate. Yeah. <laughs> initiate. Awful. Yeah, it's how, how I don't know. You know, they didn't crash into each other, but you can't really mess it up too much more, too much more than that. I think the driver swap yeah. was necessary. It's just I don't think Ricardo was expecting it to be there. I think. If he, if think if they gone on for, until a bit later in the track, I mean that is the best place in the track to do it. But Ocon was a good second and a bit up the road to Ricardo when he slammed on the brakes. So Ricardo was missed his braking point um, because of where Ocon was like having to go really far. He knew he couldn't get to the apex, so Ricardo had to do had to basically avoid Ocon while passing Ocon um, under team orders, which is just a little bit. It was a bit, I think. If you'd look at that, you'd say to Ocon, go a bit slower through turn three and let him go for turn five, um, rather than on the inside of when you're way ahead. And I mean, it paid off for them in terms of Ricardo got past Vettel almost immediately, but just it was needless at a needless five second penalty because that sort of took away any hope of getting closer to a car ahead. They basically had no point in going further ahead. Yeah, I wonder if it was it just a, a mistake from Ricardo, possibly because he, he was on the racing line after all. So I think it was just a case of maybe Ocon was a distraction because he was going that slow. And Ricardo just missed his breaking point a bit. Yeah, I think Ocon yeah. was a distraction because Ricardo couldn't really judge him on his pace because yeah. he you can't assume that he's going at racing speed. He's slowing down quite a lot, and Ricardo then can't just turn to the apex based on where Ocon was. He needed to allow him room, and obviously it's his teammates who needs to allow him a little bit more room. And so I think Ricardo was trying to be cautious, but also trying to lose as little time as possible. And that just didn't work out, really, unfortunately, based on where Ocon was positioned. And the only way to deal with that would have not been would have been not do it then, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it didn't, in the end, it kind of didn't hurt them. You know, Ricardo still got his top five minutes miles yeah. ahead of Leclerc. I think my favourite bit of it was, I think it was David Croft, but one of the Sky commentators saying, oh, is that a racing move or is it engineered? <laughs> There's Ocon have been a second and a half, two seconds yeah. up the road. There's Ocon kind of slowed down, looked three times in his left mirror to, <laughs> to see where Ricardo was coming past. Um, but yeah, it did, it did look a bit engineered, it's fair to say. Um, and we mentioned him before there, but Charles Leclerc finished sixth. He had, a, again, like Perez, quietly a brilliant race, really, to bring home eight points for Ferrari ahead of drivers in Ocon and the two Alfa Tauris that you would have thought would be ahead. The Ferrari were kind of, they looked decent in, in practice, but how, how far was Leclerc overperforming his car today or outperforming? Uh, it was, well, it was a very impressive weekend. I think, weirdly, he benefited from Vettel's crash because it meant he was able to start on the medium tyres, was it? Hard, medium, yeah, one of those tyres. Yeah. Which was the better strategy for the race because yeah, you don't you don't you didn't want to be starting on the soft as Hamilton showed. So he was able to use that and use it to his advantage and he executed the race perfectly. It was a it was a great strategy and he drove really well again on this weird Sochi circuit, which has a smooth way out. It seems Leclerc really shines on these kind of tracks. Yeah, Leclerc's impressive. He can be smooth and he can be aggressive. And I can, like, it's an entirely different track to Mugello in terms of the way the car interacts with it. Mugello was such an abrasive track, such a uh, 
a classic track and um in comparison to sochi which is traditionally a really smooth track it is quite bumpy this year but traditionally a really smooth kind of low energy on the tires track and leclerc was fantastic in qualifying and in the early part of the race in Mugello and in this race he was really good as well so it these past few races have really you know done wonders for Leclerc's um, reputation that we already knew was there but it's really cemented it in a dog of a Ferrari. Yeah definitely. Yeah it's been kind of easy to forget that Leclerc was given such a massive deal by Ferrari and seen as the next big thing and he's kind of when he's in the midfield, you do lose track of that a bit, but it's drunk like this where you, and you know, like the, the podiums and he's got, especially at Silverstone, you know, just kind of reaffirms that actually is one of the very, very top drivers in the sport. Um, someone who at the moment isn't being one of the very, very top drivers in the sport um, with the oh, driver no. that finished 10th, Alex Albon. <laughs> Um, I'm sure <laughs> Nigel's got stuff to say on this. So do you want to? No, answer? I've got nothing to say. Uh, it was, yeah, I'm best man not say anything. Other than doing it was pretty shocking. Yeah, yeah, we're both with you on that. I think. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. Uh, he snuck in. He got overtaken by Gasly kind of in the last few um, laps, and he just wasn't. He wasn't at the races for a lot of the weekend. Um, he was 1.2 seconds off in qualifying, which is abysmal. Um, he was um, uh, he, he made a bad start was at the back had to pit on that one um, and then was dicing with Russell and Norris which is kind of fun I'm sure he had a good time this is not where he should be when you've got Verstappen finishing how was it seven or eight seconds behind Bottas at the end and he's yeah. nearly nearly lapped with a five second penalty for ignoring race director's instructions um, I don't know what that is whether it, he was told to just I don't know do something and he didn't do it whether he had to like I don't know, bring her a coffee or something I don't know but um, <laughs> it was just it's a weekend that just didn't work for him I mean mm. last year in Sochi he, he um, was at the back and I think he had some engine penalties I'm not sure but there was a reason he was at the back and he came through the field actually relatively okay but he just he had another chance to do an album driver coming through the field and he didn't do it it was the same in Monza he just didn't come through the field in the way we we have said that Albon is better at doing. And the reason he's there is because he can sometimes come through the field. But now he's losing the streak of coming through the field. And I think reasons you are that are there to defend Albon are gradually slipping away when he puts in a performance like today. Yeah, it's it, especially after the kind of all the optimism of Magello. Um, yeah. It is. Yeah, it's just kind of disappointing, and he'll he'll be more disappointed than anyone. Um, he's still not got the contract in place for next season as well, and it kind of when Perez finishes fourth, uh, when Perez finishes under ten seconds behind Lewis Hamilton in that racing point, um, he, honestly, Red Bull have got to really seriously consider him. I mean, he brings money as well, for goodness' sake, Red Bull. Um, you, you you can have a so album of just time investors. Yeah. Thai investors, what Moose Cider, brilliant. Um, get one of the richest men in the world and Carlos Slim backing you, you're much better. Um, I think I think Perez would be a fantastic addition to the Red Bull team when he puts in the performance like he did today. Yeah, it's I think it because it felt like kind of a month ago, it kind of felt like oh, or even two months, like oh, Alvin's kind of probably got his contract sorted, they're just waiting to announce it, or it kind of felt a lot more. 
It felt, it felt like he was going to get better. Yeah, and it just felt like kind of a matter of time they they got it. Did it? Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> not I to me. <laughs> from yeah, from the news and the stuff that I was hearing anyway, then it kind of yeah, it felt like you know they've they're waiting to announce it or they've that's what they're set on and they you know just need to actually get down and sign it. But um, it's as kind of time goes on, you know, you can only have that time for so long and yeah he, he's got to be looking over his shoulder Albert can't go into Christian Horner's office in the debrief of this race or in the, or in the week or week gap between now and Nürburgring he can't really seriously go in and say hello I would like a new contract please can you um, sign me sign to pay me to drive your race your really good race car next year I'll maybe get a point in it without you know it it, it, he's he's got to have guts to actually consider getting a contract now. Surely, I'm I'm getting into the out into the um the album bashing crushing club. mindset of it's the club. It's not bashing. It's just Nigel it's Chew. just talking Please. facts. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. Nigel it, Chew, it's just the album <laughs> No, like you said before, Adam. I I I was really hoping that Magello would be a turning point, but it appears. Not to be, and, and like I said, after Magello, without that Verstappen reference in the race, I don't know how good or great that was. You know, with, well, of course, everyone would rave about it because it's a podium and stuff. But it, it's just, yeah. I mean, he just he just needs one or two great weekends to at least give you know Horner and that uh, something to say to. So, so he can stay in the seat next year, but even one or two performances is, is, is not enough for me because it's what tenth race, ninth race now, and he's not really done anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of I think the problem is it's not kind of one bad weekend. You know, everyone everyone has off it's weekend. too many. It's not it's not that, and I kind of get the feeling that Horner really wants to kind of back him and be able to say, "Oh yeah, Alex is our guy." And you know that he was clearly so pleased last um, last race weekend at Mugello because you know he kind of had had something he say look you know this is this is what we said you know he he come good and all of that and that was something they could hold up and you know put put to the best support of him so far but it just feels like even if you're looking for you know quotes putting your PR release or whatever about oh you know we like Alex and there were good points from this this weekend and you know it was just a just a bad, yeah just whatever you know it was just a bad strategy call or whatever or you know we think think just when things went against him but it's not from this performance it's not there's not really much much to kind of put on that I, I still think he'll be in the record next year Horner at least at the start of the year Horner is right to support his driver and he's right to support his previous decisions as a businessman. He's mm. right to do that. Um, but he's foolish if he's not going to be looking for alternative options. And I think we can, we can all probably safely assume that there are some serious conversations about that second seat at Red Bull. I'd, I'd hope so. I'd hope so. <laughs> I would too. I think it will be interesting to see kind of retrospectively, I don't know, when Drive to Survive comes out or whatever, um, kind of what he's been saying now or kind of what his thoughts have been now, because I'm sure it will come out at some point, whether he is really, um, you know, 
oh yeah, we really like Alex. You know, he's not got the performances, but we like what he's showing us on track, which was kind of not the case with Gasly. Yeah. It was the performances, the, the results aren't good, but also the performances don't really give us anything to hold on to. And it feels like so far he's kind of, he's not taking that approach. Um, you know, he does have, does have some kind of better things to hold up, but it will be interesting to see kind of whether, whether that's been the case behind closed doors and whether that continues. But I do still think he'll be at Red Bull for the start of next year. Mm. We will see. Yeah. Um, McLaren finished pointless. It was a bad weekend for them. Again, another team who looked like, you know, they could be near, you know, kind of challenging top five. Science looked good kind of through the early part of the weekend. Um, and then just Norris was another one involved in the battle that you mentioned that was very entertaining um, <laughs> at the start of the race. Um, and he was holding on to a points position at the end, but they had to pit him with his tyres. Um, 45 lap old yeah, tyres. Yeah. Um, is there kind of anything they can take out of the weekend or do they just have to chalk it up? It, it wasn't It wasn't a great weekend, was it? I mean, science is completely his own mistake there. I think he just wasn't completely thinking straight or whatever because he just got the angle completely wrong and went straight to the wall. And that comprom- compromised Norris as well, which is why Norris was at the back. Uh, with hindsight, I think stretching the stint on the hard tyres with Norris wasn't the best idea because he was really hanging on at the end and he had to come in with a few laps to go. So, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a good weekend for McLaren after so much promise just a few races ago, you know, at Monza with science and stuff. So, yeah, they'll just have to just pick themselves up and go again, I guess. But it was, in fact, it was probably McLaren's worst weekend of the year, I'd say. Yeah, yeah pointless weekend, as Adam said, is really not what McLaren needs or want at this stage in the season. And they're only just still third in the constructors for racing with racing point, yeah. nipping at their heels and presumably Renault very close as well. Um, I'd say... There's seven McLaren, points between them, I think. Wow. Yeah, very tight. <laughs> I'd say um, McLaren needs to do well now because science has had atrocious luck in a, a few races to have ended up um, basically out of both races, Mangello included, from... What is essentially a first lap mistake in in both is not very encouraging. And um, Norris did have a did have the opportunity for a, a decent drive, and he did do pretty well to get where he was because he kept his pace on the hard tires to when everyone else pitted to actually go ahead of them to actually do a jump, which would have been very hard um, considering um, how long he was eking them out for. But I think. They were, they were what it was. It was right to try what they did with Norris, but that was it basically the weekend was over from lap one. Unfortunately, they had one gamble they could have thrown, and they tried, and they were banking on another, a late safety car to give him a, uh, a cushion, and to maybe do what they did with Gasly, which is um they pit him under the very brief VSC at the end, from um, Grosjean ploughing into the, the bollards on the side of the track, which is quite comical. But, I mean, he had nowhere else to go, to be honest, which is a bit irritating on that on that turn. It's a silly rule. It's a silly rule, I think. It's a, it's a hard rule to follow. And we, yeah. that's what we saw with science. But Norris did a good job, but that's all we can really say. He, he probably did deserve a point or two, but he didn't get it. Yeah, yeah I think on, we'll come to the bollards in a minute. I think with, with <laughs> Norris, it was a good... 
think it was actually a good drive from him, but it was just kind of such a compromised position mm. to have to produce mm. a good drive from. And I, I think it was the right decision for McLaren to to do that gamble and just hope they could hold on or something something came up. Um, I think, yeah, it, it, I don't have too much of a problem with them going for it, but yeah, it was just, it's kind of a really unfortunate way to yeah. end the week. It was slower than Alpha Tauri, even. It was really weird, given that McLaren was at your second fastest mm. in one driver, to now be, what, sixth, seventh fastest is very strange. And I, and I know the midfield is, is very tight, but uh, to lose that much pace, I, I just hope they haven't gone uh, gone down the wrong way with, with, with de- developing the car and stuff for the rest of the season. The pace was there. They qualified well, mm. and the, the first lap just kicked them in the teeth, I think. Yeah. And I think it is just a silly mistake from Sainz on lap one. Yeah. yeah. I think looking at it, he didn't really need to go onto the escape road, personally, from, from my memory of lap one. I think it was a bit like, oh, I can get a shortcut here. And, which is what we've seen at Sochi quite a few times, actually. And that's why they've been so harsh with the bollards. And when you look at it from that perspective, it makes sense. And everyone else got through the bollards. Every F2 driver got through the bollards. Um, and he didn't. And it's a bit embarrassing, but it was very tight, too. Are you saying Sainz is worse than all the F2 drivers? That's the uh, title, for the, <laughs> title for the thing. But, yeah. well, let's see when Ferrari signed Mick Schumacher. Oh. Ferrari. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was. He, he did the same thing as Verstappen, but he just did it from a bit of a further angle. He was further around the corner, so yeah, he was having yeah. to come in on the angle. Yeah, you're right. Um, to get through the bollards in the first place, but yeah, just kind of missed missed the bit jutting out, and that was his race over. I think on the on the bollards generally. What are your thoughts on it, Nigel? You thought it was a silly rule. It. I'd much rather. They have, oh, I don't, the tra- I think they just need to change the track layout. In fact, change the whole track while, while, while they're at <laughs> it. The it's just, no, uh, it's just an awkward way to penalise a driver, I think. And, and I think, uh, we, saw, we saw in the F2, was it, last year when Jack Aiken, he crashed and he came back onto the track. So it could be quite dangerous as well. Sides himself came back onto the track as well. Luckily, no one hit him. I think Vettel was quite close. So I don't think it's even the safest way to do it. I, I, I think they even need to change the track layout or not make going around the bollard so so difficult with the wall uh, jutting out up towards the end of the like, penalty zone section. Most of the GP do it well. They do, um, you have to do a long, long lap, lap as a penalty. Yeah. And so that's basically a bit of the track is just painted off. Um, as like a little lane that you go wide in a corner, a bit like Formula E's attack mode, but as a penalty, basically. <laughs> and so I think on some tracks, that's probably a decent idea that may, I mean, I don't know how it would work with closing speed, though. That's the only issue you'd need to work on um, where, where the braking zones are, because then a driver could just go really fast around a corner. So somewhere on this track, say, somewhere like turn four or five, um, so the driver's gone wide there, then that means that immediately they have to then basically maybe go offline somewhere else to come back on. I mean, it just it, it moves the problem on, but in a way, I don't know, it's a slower part of the track, perhaps. It's not as hard. A, somewhere you can feed them in where it's not on the racing line is what's required. 
but that's a really difficult thing to do. And if you don't do it immediately, that means on the final lap, everyone can just straight line. So um, it's got to be somewhere later on on the lap where a driver has to then go through that. They've got to be paying attention to do that. Otherwise, they then get a penalty. So they've got a get out clause. But it's a really hard thing to do. And I think the bollards is a, a good quick fix to get it over and done with quickly. And it works in somewhere like Spain where they bring them back on to turn three because they come on the outside of the fast corner. But because this is the inside, it doesn't work. It's, it's hard. I was about to mention Spain because there was that year, was it two years ago now, where Grosjean kind of three laps yeah. ago <laughs> up the train and he, and he cut like <laughs> the, same, the same corner at turn one or two um, and just went, went through the bollards and carried on. Um, God. It's, kind of, it's part of the wider thing about what's best as runoff areas because where you've got tarmac there's always going to be that and we saw we saw at parabolic some gravel if you just put some gravel there get a few sacks put it on that'll sort the problem out no need for any bollards or cylinders just put some gravel on the edge of the track yeah at mexico turn one it's a it's a field there and it's it's the exact same kind of thing like if they go wide at that corner, they, they're on grass and it's really hard to come back onto the track. So there's no need to have a bollard there. And they're coming back onto the race line, but it's on grass, so they're penalised with it. And so the penalty is that they're on the grass. The penalty isn't, and they're not coming on at racing speed or anything like that. Um, so if there's, a, if there's a bit of grass there, I know it's in a, a port in Sochi. So it's not, exa- if, it's not exactly a, a farm, but you can, you can put down some turf yeah, pretty easily. Yeah. Probably make it, it would make it look lovely. You could put some flowers in. It looked much nicer than the <laughs> car park that is the Sochi racetrack. It's going to look nicer until they blast through the flower bed and there's daffodils everywhere and it's all gone wrong. Well, that will give the race some drama. <laughs> yeah, some I agree. Gravel is the solution for that corner or grass. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a bit. It's a bit of a fast one for gravel, perhaps. Yeah, these days that's, that's the only thing is. Just the safety aspect. The Although well, it's not really safe at the moment. <laughs> Actually, yeah, gravel. Let's put gravel there. Yeah, I mean there are, there are more and more circuits going towards you know as we saw with Parabolica and, and Puan going towards the uh, having more concrete. Yeah, concrete tarmac runoff areas, which are the most effective for stopping cars and therefore the safest because they can break. Mm. But um, <laughs> rather than just skate across. But yeah, it's kind of I guess balancing that against how it, you know, penalises drivers for for going off and for misdemeanours. There seems to be a kind of idea that if a car is stopped, then they need to bring out a safety car. And that's fine. And there seems to be a kind of mindset of, we don't want to bring out a safety car, let's keep the race going. But we're sitting here thinking, safety cars are fun, they really spice up the race. So maybe then there'll be a safety car. But then also over the last like three weekends, we've had like three red, red flags. flags. Yeah, red flags yeah. and um, safety cars galore. So that's true. I don't know. But yeah, I think it's always safety has got to be paramount. And yeah. That's, yeah. That's kind of, that's it. So the needs, you know, I kind of like the idea of having a strip. Me probably wouldn't work so well at, um, at turn two at Sochi, but. You know, some of this kind of having a strip of gravel on the outside. So if you go onto it, you know, you kind of lose your line and get penalised there. But you've still got the kind of tarmac to actually slow down the car. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's my 
like suggested. We're going to Nurburgring next. So we don't need to worry about it really anymore. Yeah, next year. <laughs> um, and that's a good segue because it is the Nurburgring weekend next in two weeks. And will Hamilton break or equal the record there? It'd be a much better place to do so, I think. Germany. I, I think he will. I mean, this, uh, is, this is my uh, prediction that he'd... He wouldn't do it here when there was all the hype and then next weekend he'll go and, uh, and he'll do it. If he doesn't do it all season, that would be really interesting. Well, he might not win the championship if that, if that doesn't happen, does it? And still, eight races. <laughs> that was what happened. Yeah. Johnny Herbert mentioned that, whether the championship was back on to Bottas. It is only 44 points of difference. So if his engine packs up in two races, then, you know... Which never happens anymore, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is that. Um, Bossas needs to be a bit. The only way, conniving. the only way Hamilton will lose the championship this year is if he tests positive for coronavirus or something. Then he then he misses a couple of races. That's the only way. That's the Which we don't want to happen. Even then, he yeah, can yeah, still win it, yeah. To be honest. I should say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think Bossas, you know, like putting sand in Hamilton's petrol before it goes in or something, you know, just like he, he needs to be more conniving or like Rosberg at Monaco, you know, he just he needs to do something like that to, to hold up Hamilton. What was it Nelson Piquet did with Mansell? He called his wife um, one of the most ugly people he's ever seen. That's what he did. Yeah. And he really got in, got on Mansell's um, hate list, which is fair enough for that. So they were like putting like sandpaper in each other's toilet roll, that kind of thing. And so if we can get that kind of spicy relationship between Bottas and Hamilton, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Hamilton's in a public relationship at the moment, but um, <laughs> but Bottas might know. And we don't know the, when he says to whom it may concern FU, maybe he's saying it to Hamilton. Interesting. <laughs> whom it may concern here, we don't know. Um, but Nobody just a, finally a word. I mean, I'm just waiting for Alvin to say that in a few races time. <laughs> yes, one um, album. <laughs> um, just a word on Hamilton's <laughs> qualifying performance as well, because to do to do that under pressure, obviously to go out, every driver on the grid can do that, but I don't think many of them would be able to execute it, even you know in the Mercedes of getting round in the kind of time limited situation, having to overtake cars to make it, and then still be in a position to put in a lap time that was, you know, took him well clear of the cut-off zone. So to me, that's kind of, you know, probably will go a bit under under the radar in Great Hamilton moments because it didn't lead to a victory like, say, the Singapore quali lap um, did. But kind of what what do you guys make of that when you saw it and kind of how high would you rank it? I think it's more luck by judgment that he actually got the lap. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, <laughs> He had one second to go and he was, I thought he was backing off actually when, um, when, because he was blocked by the Renault and he wanted to make a gap for, for the Renault of Ocon, I think it was. And you kind of thought, well, you've, you, he's got, he, I don't know, I don't know what he could see. I don't know if he could see a countdown. If he thought, oh, I've got six seconds to do this, I can back off a bit and give, you know, I can take my time. I don't think he would have that kind of thing because he had Bono in his ear basically going as stressed as Bono has ever been. If you've not heard that radio message, he is absolutely terrified that Hamilton's not going to get the lap in. He will qualify 15th. 
and um, or 14th, wherever he was, uh, where he was. And I think Hamilton was just basically, he, I mean, yeah, we can, we can say he's, he's really calm to be able to think, have the confidence to be able to think that he can give himself the gap, go slow before he does the lap. But in Q2, he's got that confidence there that he thinks he's fine, but he, he, was, he was cutting it fine. It was, it was by a breath, a hair's breath that that happened. It was a good lap. It was, it was a good lap because he got fourth. But, I mean, they used to have the one-lap shootout for what I didn't know where you literally just get one lap to decide where you're, you're on the grid. So it was just a bit like that, really. So I don't, yeah, it wasn't anything too special, I don't think. Yeah, all the cars ahead of that. I mean, arguably, yeah. it's Mercedes should have gone to the end of the pit lane quicker. I mean, they had they had two and a half minutes to go round, and I was. It was simply because people were doing their usual qualifying situation that they actually that it made it slightly tight, because um, because they had two minutes to do it basically. I thought Red Bull was going to back the whole field up. I know Gasly did a bit, but I thought Red Bull were going to really like to stop Hamilton getting through by like waiting at the pits for a bit yeah, longer. Yeah, That's what they should have done. It was a nice little. Uh, Verstappen overtake on Gasly, I think, yeah, in the pit lane. In the pits. <laughs> yeah, as his race engineer was saying, oh, you need to get in front of this train. And then he does a overtake on the inside what, in the pit lane. What I kind of thought was with that, because Stroll had overheating issues and had to be put back into his pit box and that ruined, ended his qualifying there because he could have got into Q3, who knows. Um, but if there had been one more car in the way of Hamilton, then Ockham would have backed up even more and so on. And yeah. Hamilton would have back to even more and then he would have missed it by a, a half a second so yeah that's what leads me to think it was luck by judgment he went wide he made that mistake as well didn't he yeah he, went, on his he, he he made a mistake as well on his outlap i don't i i i think if kind of a lot of drivers are in that situation like i don't think bottas would make it and he nearly was in that situation because apparently he was very close to the same um track limits infringement but to me just kind of that and the pressure just shows kind of it's one of those championship moments for him, even though it didn't actually result in um, in a win. But you know, not to do with that. Although it kind of was because then he was on soft tyres. Got pop. and it did make a great race. But yeah, he did get great race. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe not actually. A great um, and intriguing, race. a surprising result. Um, <laughs> Mercedes yeah, win. Mercedes win, but not Hamilton. Um, yeah, we will. I think that brings us to the end of the conversation, unless anyone else has any other points they want to raise. I have no points that I would like to raise. Uh, nothing that's not going to take up more than 25 minutes. <laughs> Nigel <laughs> needs to get his Alex album fixed yeah. again. <laughs> I'm just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. I didn't actually uh, forgot to say that it had to be F1 related, so could have had anything coming up there. Um, but we will wrap this podcast up for now we will be back next weekend for a kind of inter-race um, news podcast yeah news <laughs> podcast thing um before and then obviously the eiffel grand prix is coming up after that and we will be doing a preview and review for that podcast um for the race race we're so, not reviewing our own podcast oh we could do <laughs> actually and, um, and other people and what, do that. We do rather than doing a season review of Formula One, we do a season review <laughs> of our first winging it season. Yeah, and we pick up favourite moments, best overtake. Um, when I don't know when we overtake each other, 
and that kind of thing. So look forward to that coming soon to a subscriber box near you. And on that note, thank you for listening, Class Watching, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye, everybody.